Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the Soccer Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Hal Katara, and as always, I'm joined by my brother, Nihal. How are you doing, Nihal? I'm doing really well, you know. Um, I'm excited to continue to do this podcast. Uh, thank you to all of our listeners. Um, you know, this is our fifth episode, so it's my milestone. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks for listening. We have some reviews on iTunes. We got some subscribers. You know, um, our last episode was the most listened to episode on SoundCloud, so that's really exciting. Um, but yeah, make sure to follow us um, or subscribe to us on iTunes and to give us some reviews and be sure to tell your friends who like watching soccer about it. Um, also, please be sure to email us at soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions you want us to answer on air. We'd like to be much more um, uh, interactive with our audience. Yeah. So be sure to do that. Yeah, so why don't we start off with the U.S. Men's National Team Gold Cup action. Um, the U.S. were led by Clint Dempsey, who scored a brace to beat Honduras 2-1 on Tuesday night in Frisco, Texas. Overall, I don't think the U.S. looked the better side. Um, what do you think? Um, overall, you know, I, I was listening to a lot of shows today and reading a lot of different articles, and I feel like people are freaking out over this match unnecessarily. Yes, it wasn't a great showing by the U.S., but, you know... Everyone is talking about how the U.S. was bad and what the U.S. did incorrectly. But, you know, I think it's important to recognize that Honduras is a good team, a very good team, one of the best in CONCACAF, that made it to the World Cup, right? They, they got an automatic bid to the World Cup. They finished above Mexico and above Panama. And their coach is Pinto, who took Costa Rica to the quarterfinals of the World Cup. So they're a good team. You know, it's... It's never going to be easy against them. It's a very chippy team. Um, we'll talk about the referee refereeing a little later, but that definitely helped Honduras. It helped their style of play. Um, but yeah, you know the U.S. didn't look great. The you know, but it's important to remember how good we've looked. We've looked up until this point, especially recently. This one match does not define this team. This one match does not mean we've regressed in any way. It doesn't mean that we're the same team we were, we have been for the last 20 years, which I've been hearing. So, you know, there's plenty of blame to go around for the performance. I think it's mostly on the players and, and a little bit on Jürgen Klinsmann. But, you know, people attacking MLS and its quality for this match doesn't really make sense because a lot of Honduras players play in MLS. So I, I don't really know what that argument has to do with this. But, you know, everyone just needs to calm down. And we just saw with the women's national team. You can struggle in the group stage and still go on to do well in a tournament and win a tournament. If anything, this is the time to struggle. This is the time to figure things out. This is the time to see if Giassi Zardes is a suitable winger, if Timmy Chandler is a suitable right back, if Clint Dempsey and Michael Bradley can play together in a competitive match, if Ventura Alvarado can play in a competitive match. When is, when is Alvarado going to get the experience? He was terrible, but when else is he going to get the experience? You're not going to stick him in in next year, if he's for his first for his first um, official match, I mean, this is this is the match you want him to be in. So I think everyone needs to understand what this match was, and this is this not, might not even be the team after the group stage too. So I, I think people are definitely definitely overreacting. Like I, I mean, like I did with the women's national team, I overreacted, but. I mean, we, we can see how, how the women's national team were able to adjust and were able to switch their style in order to go on and win the tournament. The first, this game doesn't define the team, and it does not mean we're not going to win the Gold Cup anymore. I'm not saying we're 100% going to win it, 
but our chances are the same. That being said, you know, this I've been very impressed by all the teams in, in the Gold Cup so far. You know, even the last two years, CONCACAF is miles, miles better. And we can see that by how Jamaica played in Copa America. They got, uh, I think they only got one point, but they were decent. Um, and, you know, how Mexico's C team really played in, in Copa America. They drew Chile. And, you know, Honduras, Honduras has only lost one match this year. Do you know that? Besides this one. Nah, and that was a 1-0 loss to Brazil. So Honduras is not a bad team. It's very, very important to remember that. And to CONCACAF is a good region. It's easily the third best region in the world. Um, the results prove that. Um, I know I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent, but I- I'm just so impressed with like Haiti and Jamaica and the underdogs in this tournament and how well they've been playing. And it's not, it is counterattacking football, but it's not only that. There's real quality there. There's structure. And it's, you know, it is very chippy like CONCACAF always is, but it, the quality is there. And the league is growing. And, you know, credit to MLS and the NASL for helping this region grow because there's a lot of players from across the region that are playing. And I think it might be time to expand the Gold Cup. CONCACAF's a big region. Why are there only 12 teams? You know, I think maybe going to 16 teams might be a good idea. And I think it is time to move the tournament around um, and not only have it in the U.S. So went off on a little bit of a tangent there. Sorry about that. Um, But yeah, um, let's get focused back on the U.S. Um, Do you agree, though? Do do I agree that CONCACAF's grown? Yeah, just in the last two. I mean, you haven't watched as much as I have because you've been a little bit more busy. But I mean, I've been I've been very very impressed. You watched the Honduras game full. No, no, yeah. Actually, I think the U.S. might have looked the worst out of all the teams playing. Yeah, I mean that's quite and, possible. And and I think we have the most talent. So right, and you know that's another thing. We didn't play well, but we got three points. Yeah. So. And when you were ranting on the U.S., that was after a zero-zero draw against Sweden. So yeah, we got one. We got one. I mean, we won the game. Yeah. We're at the top of the group. So there's exactly. that. Um, so who is your man of the match besides Clint Dempsey? Well, I know we were discussing this right before we started yeah. recording. Uh, my man of the match actually wasn't Clint Dempsey. Um, you know, and definitely feel free to disagree with me and shoot me an email telling me why I'm wrong and I'm an idiot. But my man of the match was Guzan. You know, he made some really good saves. His distribution was key. And he prevented two goals from going in. And I know Dempsey obviously had the brace, but... Those were really off of two sets of pieces. And aside from that, I don't think he added much to the match. He missed passes. He lost the ball in midfield. So, um, you know, you can go check out my player ratings on betweenthetouchlines.com. And he had a 6.5 and Guzan had a 7.5 because Guzan didn't make any mistakes. And Dempsey, you know, if Dempsey had a brace and he played well aside from that, he's hands down man of the match. And, you know, 6.5 is not bad for this. Like, that's where, I, that's where I have him at. I might have overrated Guzan a little bit looking back on it. Um, but I also had... But, see, my thing is that we know that Clint Dempsey can look badly in matches and still score. Right. So when you're rating, when you're rating Clint Dempsey, like, you can also kind of understand his role as a, right. as a forward of the U.S. national team. That's just to put away goals. But he is partly to blame for the United States looking so disjointed and looking so bad between the midfield and the attack. So, yeah. I mean, that's why he that's why he got bumped down. 
And I think I gave Kyle Beckerman the same rating at a 6.5 because he was really good back there controlling and, um, you know, winning tackles. And he completed 46 out of 51 passes. So, you know, that's what? That's 91%, 90% almost? Yeah. Um, it's just under 92%. So, um, you know, and Fabian Johnson was up there too. I thought he was decent. Oh, no, no, he had like a 5.5, but he was decent too. Um, but yeah, you know, Clint Dempsey, like, 100% understand if he's anyone's man of the match. You know, I completely understand. But based on my own personal criteria, which is how you play throughout the match, who was the best player on the field? I think it was Guzan, at least for us. Yeah. Um, so, on the contrast, who was disappointing for you in this game? To me, Zardes stood out. I know you uh, gave him a three on between the touchdowns. Yeah, Jassy Zardes was not very good. I think he is a striker. And I think I also, yeah, I gave Ventura Alvarado a 3.5. So I think those two, those two players were really disappointing. Alvarado just got completely juked out on two plays, including the goal. And um, Zardes, you know, he didn't add much to the match. He had that one really good opportunity that almost led to Clint Dempsey's hat-trick. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, he shows flashes of being really good, but he didn't provide an outlet. And I think having Yedlin and Zardes in the midfield together just doesn't work. There's two players out of position on the yeah. outside. So I, I, I think he's a striker. I'd like to see him a striker next to Altidore or Dempsey because I think that's definitely his best position. And Alvarado, you know, give him time. He's got potential. Um, maybe play him against Haiti because I'm sure he can hold his own. Maybe give him a chance to redeem himself. And then after that, maybe you start looking at Omar Gonzalez because, once again, John Brooks was, was good. And I think another disappointing player was uh, Josie Altador. He really didn't do much. He was good in the hold-up play. I called him useless in my article, which is very harsh, because, you know, he was good in the hold-up play. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he missed passes. He didn't really add much to the attack. He did have that one shot on the, that led to Clint Dempsey's first goal. Right. But re- he really should have connected on the corner kick. So, I don't know. Yeah. And Michael Bradley, once again, disappointing. Disappointing. Definitely one of our better players, but disappointing based on his recent performances before this. Um, yeah. No, no, he didn't, he didn't really look that good in Guatemala. He no, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't. And I, I really think that has to do with Dempsey and him being on the field at the same time. Because so, Dempsey is in attacking mid, even though it says he's striker. Right, right. And do you see how far Bradley is dropping back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he dropped back really far. And, you know, he, 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 what was so successful against the Netherlands and against Germany were his runs forward and laying it off to Yedlin. He really couldn't do that because Dempsey was in his way. You know, and another thing was he was starting so deep that he couldn't do his signature. I don't think he had one of his signature diagonal 30-yard balls, you know, from, yeah. the, from right from midfield. Because he was getting the ball so deep from Beckerman or from or he had to track back because Dempsey or Zardes weren't tracking back or Fabian Johnson was caught up forward or, you know. He's a great defensive midfielder, but ultimately... That's not what the U.S. wants. They want him to be a creative player. So, you know, maybe it's time to push Dempsey back to the wing. I, I think that might be I don't might know. Be something to try I out. I mean, okay. Remember, he did score two goals in this game. Well, remember, he scored 23 goals from the left mid, from left wing for full yeah, of one season. Not the same player as he is now. No, he's not. I mean, he's definitely a lot slower. I just, you know, Dempsey's sort of an enigma to me. I, I mean, mean, right now, neither of our wingers... I mean, you have DeAndre Yedlin, who's just now converting to an outside midfielder. He was a defender yeah. before. And then Zardes, who's, I mean, played a fair share of minutes at striker. Yeah. I wouldn't say either of them are really true outside midfielders. No, they are not. 
We don't really have a lot of true outside midfielders. I don't think we have any. Brad Davis. Oh, no, no. He's Davis gone. is gone. Yeah. We really don't have any. Like, you have Fabian Johnson, who's an option, but he's also a fullback. Mm-hmm. Zuzi started his career as a central midfielder. So did Bedoya. So that's why I'm really excited in September to see players like Nagby or it's time to get Ethan Finley, like I've been saying for three episodes straight now, on the national team. We need exciting wingers who can create. Yeah. By the way, Friendly was announced on September 4th versus Peru. Yeah, yeah, that's good call because I forgot to we forgot to put that in our notes. Um, but yeah, you know, exciting. They finished third place in Copa America, so a good opponent, very good opponent, and they're on the rise in in, in world soccer. Yeah, still should beat them though. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, we don't know who well, yeah, is the Friendly. Yeah, but, but that's right before World Cup qualifying. Yeah, so we should have. Yeah, one of our top. Is that spots. crazy? I, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> World Cup qualifying already. So let's go back to this game. Uh, what did you learn from this game? Jossie's artist is a striker. Renchor Alvarado is still growing. Brooks is the defender on this team. He's the defender of the future. Um, and, you know, Guzan is the number one keeper right now, I think. And also maybe Bradley and Dempsey can't play together. It's still, you know, let's, let's run some more tests, as it were. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess they played together in the World Cup, and also people said Bradley struggled yeah, as well. Yeah, Bradley did struggle, because where was he, but he was also, playing? But, but then you always say that was because of his injury. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was. But Dempsey was out of position, too. He was playing as a lone striker, so Dempsey... Only because Althor was injured. Right, but Bradley was pushed for it. I mean, yeah. if you're playing Dempsey as a lone striker, then Bradley can be that guy. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you about the Juan Dolowski substitution. I mean, a lot of us thought it was just a one-time thing versus Guatemala. What oh, is no, it? I, I, call, I called it. I mean, yeah. I said to you. But why? Um, you know, it must be... What he brings in... I mean, he's, a, he's a true poacher. Yeah. Which I wouldn't say anyone, uh, any one of our other strikers are. No. On the team. Um, yeah, you know, he's not that great as a lone striker, especially in the situation at the end where we're trying to boot the ball forward. I think Josie was much better in that kind of situation. Yeah. But, you know, it must be what Wando brings in training every day. We don't see him. You know, he could be really good. And we've seen it before with Klinsman, with Beckerman, who he, everyone hated him for a year. I think this is the same thing with Chandler, what's going to happen. Everyone hated him for a year. And Jermaine Jones. Everyone hated Jermaine Jones, too, because Klinsman kept on giving him chances, but he eventually turned into one of our better players. I mean, that's not going to happen with Wando, but it can't happen with Chandler. And, you know, Wando, Wando can hold his own against CONCACAF opposition. I mean, he can score goals. Yeah. So, you know, he's a sure thing. You he's know, on the gold cup, yeah, too. So. Yeah, yeah. He's a short... Albeit against B-sides, but... Yeah. Well, not against Panama, but he didn't score in that. I mean, he... he you know, sorry, we're watching the Canada-El uh, Salvador Gold Cup match as we're recording. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, when I said the U.S. looked the worst, don't take into account that game, because I, we haven't yeah. watched that yet. Yeah. Yeah, I think I mean, that's a little harsh. <laughs> well, are you we sure? won, right? Yeah, we did win. Aren't we the only team that's won so far? Yeah, I know. <laughs> but every other game looked, like, neck and neck, and both teams, like... Yeah, you're right, you're right. But Honduras is a good team. I think I think yeah. they can definitely finish second in our group. Um, but what were we talking about? Oh, Wando. Yeah, I mean, I, it's what he... He's a, he's, a, he's a known commodity. So in that kind of match, you know he's going to be in the channels. You know he can maybe get a goal. Um, you know, I won't be surprised if Johansson got a start in the next match. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the refereeing? Because a lot of people thought that Honduras should have gotten more than one yellow card. Oh, man. Dude, you could have, like, mugged someone and it wouldn't have been a foul. Yeah, wait, did you see that? I don't think you were watching during this part, but 
they had this one, they had this one segment during, in like the 80th minute, and it was like Gold Cup physical play. It was just a bunch of fouls oh, no, by Honduras players. Well, it was consistent fouls too, and Yedlin got destroyed, and we saw this against Mexico in a friendly. Chicharito broke his collarbone because of Honduras. So, uh, it's so is it the referee. The refereeing is ridiculous. No, no, no. I mean. How can you blame Honduras if they can take the U.S. off their game and the referee's not going to do anything about it? If it's within the referee's rules, then why you got to do what you got to do to get the advantage, right? There's there only one yellow card and one that came in the like the 80th minute or something. Yeah. So like, I don't know. Dempsey was consistently fouled. Yedlin was consistently fouled. They were kicking and hacking, and it was your regular Concacaf stuff. But it's weird because at the same time, Honduras showed a lot of quality on the ball. A lot of a lot of quality. Andy Nahar is a beast. I wish he wish he was a US player, but well, one thing I wanted to say is I kind of expected in a just a game like this, Dempsey to do something stupid, but No, he yeah, yeah. Well maybe that's why he took away the armband? I don't know. I don't know. But okay, can we can we talk about how the referee is Mexican? Isn't that a conflict of interest or is it not? Mm, I, I mean I mean, the U.S. and Mexico are, are rivals, but I mean, like, I don't know. I, I feel like you should you should allow an American referee to, to to ref a Mexico game. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but you wouldn't let you wouldn't let an Arsenal fa- an Arsenal fan ref a Spurs like Chelsea game. Or actually, that's that, or like there's probably more Arizona. on the line in those games. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah. Well, maybe it's not a conflict of interest. I just you know I dislike. I don't. It. I, I don't know why they can't avoid that. But yeah. Alright. Yeah, so uh, let's switch over to the mat- match that was before U.S.-Honduras. Haiti versus Panama. The game ended in a 1-1 draw with goals from Quintero for Panama and Nazon for Haiti. Um, a result that a lot of people didn't anticipate. Obviously, Haiti, the underdog yeah. in this game. How were they able to draw Panama? Counterattack and speed and, you know, just quality in the final third. They had a lot of chances. Um, I believe Panama had 69% possession, but they only had, like, three or four more shots. Um, so Haiti did really well at defending and, um, you know, the goal they gave up came on a defensive mistake and an absolute beauty of a shot off the half volley from 22 yards out from Quintero. Great, great goal. And then, um, Haiti's goal, which came in the 86th minute, the Panama's goal was like in the 56th minute. Um, Haiti's goal, which came in the 86th minute, um, was great individual play, completely juked out the left back for Panama. Um, I believe Cummings, and then cut inside and Meg Jaime Pineda, the goalkeeper. So there's a lot of individual quality and speed there. And if I were the U.S., I wouldn't take them lightly at all because you can tell they are a they are a good team. Um, so you know, don't underestimate them. The U.S. They were able to basically to answer your question the counterattack. They were very very good in the counterattack, and you know they didn't take all their chances, but when it mattered, a moment of individual brilliance from Nasson. Um, and it was great, great, great goal. So I want to ask this question to you. Was it a point earned by Haiti or two points dropped by Panama? In other words, um, was Panama disappointing or was Haiti better than you expected? I, I mean, I think Haiti played really well. Going into the match, if I knew it would be a 1-1 draw, I'd say two points dropped by Panama. But I think Haiti played really well and really, once again, it was just a complete misclearance that led to Panama's goal. There wasn't a lot of clear-cut chances for Panama. There were a couple, uh, but Blas Perez wasn't that great. Um, you know, so uh, Tejeda wasn't that great. So, you know, it's 
For me, it was a point earned by Haiti, and it might have actually been two points dropped by Haiti. Yeah. So speaking of Haiti, we're going to stay in Group A and talk about the U.S.'s next match against Haiti. Yeah. What are we going to have to do to beat this team? Uh, you know, it's my favorite, my favorite thing to say when you ask me questions like this. Control the midfield. Control the midfield, which we should do because Haiti's a counter-attacking team. And... Our outside backs, I think Brad, da- Brad Evans might get the start because he was, he was impressive from right back again. Um, and he was impressive against Germany the last time he played right back. Oh, yeah, that great tackle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, great tackle at the end. And, you know, he's a more defensive-minded player. He might stay back and not venture forward as much. We need our fullbacks to, to track back on that counterattack because Fabian Johnson was ca- caught out of position way too many times against Honduras. And uh, Giassi Zardes was playing left back. Like, that's just not the way to go. So control the midfield and take our chances and have possession with a purpose. You know, no, obviously sideways passes and backwards passes are very, very important. We need that to open up a defense. But, you know, don't pass up the chance to take a, to take, don't pass up a chance on a, on a pass that might be risky, but that, but might lead to a goal. Because when it comes down to it, Haiti has quality, they have speed, but we have higher quality players, more clinical finishers, and Josie and Dempsey or whoever's playing up top. And um, they need to do their job, and Bradley needs to find them out. Find, Jurgen needs to find a way to get Bradley involved and to have Bradley be the attacking player we know he can be. Yeah. So do you see Zardes starting in this game? Obviously he said he's disappointing you. I think if Bedoya's healthy, I don't think he will. If he's not healthy, I really don't know. I mean, who else is going to play there? So, um, I, I really... Zussi, maybe. Yeah. I mean, you could put... You could push Fabian Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, maybe Timmy Chandler or, right, or, or left back and Brad Evans at right back or yeah. Greg Garza. Yes, I mean, there are options, but I really think, you know, Zardes is another player who's developing. It might be worth it to give him another shot. So. Yeah. So, I know you mentioned before that Bradley's disappearing... Because Dempsey's on the field, uh, perhaps. I mean, that's just like a theory that you had. Yeah. You I mean, it's not the, like I'm the only one who holds that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You said that the key to this game was winning the midfield. And if Bradley's disappearing, and obviously Zardes wasn't playing well, do we need to see a formation change from Klinsman? Uh, that's, you know, I don't think so. I mean, this is a formation that beat Germany. So I, I really don't think so. I think it's just more of a personnel meshing and having chemistry and not missing so many passes. You know, there were chances, there were chances for counters and the passes just weren't coming in. You know, Johnson and Chandler made some beautiful overlapping runs, but the ball never came to them. So, um, you know, and another thing by control the midfield is not make stupid turnovers in the midfield, which happened many times. Um, but no, I think Bradley has proven that he can play at the tip of a diamond with Beckerman behind him. He's proven that. Um, so I don't think uh, it's necessary to make a formation change. It might help. It might help to have three midfielders. Um, I mean, but then where is Dempsey playing? Yeah. So. You said you might want to see Johansson starting up there with Altidore. But then again, or, or, I... Th- or Dempsey. But then, okay. But then when you said if Dempsey starts, then you might see Bradley disappear again. Yeah, but I, I mean, Dempsey's not going to not stop. Couldn't Johansson also make Bradley disappear because he's not, like... No, because Johansson will drift wide into space. 
and yeah. Bradley will make that run. And then Altador, and then Bradley can find either Johansson on the side or Altador um, up the middle or Dempsey up the middle. Yeah, maybe if Johansson's playing, Dempsey can push forward a little bit because I, I really do think Dempsey and Bradley don't play well together. But Dempsey's not going to not start. He's the third, second leading goal scorer in U.S. history. He's done amazing things for the national team last year. Um, he was the captain before this tournament. Um, and he still is one of our best players. I truly believe that. Um, but the reason why I'm saying Bradley, or Bradley's being hindered by Dempsey, not the other way around, is because I feel like Bradley's our most important player at this point. Um, and if Bradley's playing well, anyone can play well up top, like Bobby Wood. So... Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you can watch the U.S. play Haiti and Foxborough on Friday evening on Fox Sports 1. Um, let's go over to Group B. Jamaica versus Costa Rica ended in a 2-2 draw. Were you surprised by this result? Uh, yes. And, I mean, yeah. I mean, I was surprised. Um, so just a breakdown of the game. Costa Rica – or Jamaica scored first in the thir- 13th minute. Gareth McClary scored. Um David Ramirez and or Roy Miller scored in the 33rd minute. Um, the defender uh, off of a great set piece, reminiscent of that RSL set piece from a week ago. Um, and then David Ramirez scored four minutes later. And then just out of halftime, Mackinac for Jamaica was able to tie it up. And Jamaica were able to hold on, and they had some chances at the end. Um, Esteban uh, Alvarado had an absolutely incredible save at the end of the match. You saw that to keep, yeah. um, to keep Jamaica – or to keep Costa Rica – um, alive, essentially, in the match. Um, and he's the backup keeper. Remember, Keylor Navas for, of Real Madrid. Um, and I think he played for Levante last year, who had a fantastic World Cup. Um, he's injured. So, um, yeah, overall, I am surprised by the result. But the, uh, the head coach, uh, Schaefer, said he, his expectation is to make it to the semifinals of this tournament. So J- Jamaica is another team to not take lightly. Um, it's an interesting mix of, of young players and old players. They have some very good MLS players, Giles Barnes of Houston Dynamo, and Alvis Powell, who's only 20 years old, who didn't get the start, but he's a starting defender for, um, <coughs> excuse me, he's a starting defender for Portland Timbers. Um, so, you know, they have some, they have some good talent, um, they have some good talent, um, so I, they, I really think they can get it done, um. They can make it out of the group, um, and they can go far in this tournament, but Costa Rica is one of the favorites in this tournament, so that's why, yes, it is a surprising result in short. Um, But, you know, Jamaica played well. They deserved a draw. Um, They were out-possessed 62 to 38%, but they had the same amount of shots, only four on target to Costa Rica's six. They both had 13 shots, though, so, um, yeah. You know, it's, it's a very, very interesting group. You know, I could see Costa Rica, Jamaica, and Canada all making it out. Um, and I don't know if El Salvador's players are back from suspension. Remember Zelaya? He had a really good Gold Cup last time. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if they're back from suspension, actually. Uh, if they are, El Salvador is a dangerous team, too. So do you think Costa Rica will still win the group because you got Jamaica and El Salvador? Uh, yeah. I think Costa Rica will end up winning the group. Um, so tomorrow we're going to see some Group C action in Mexico versus Cuba. What are your predictions for that game? Uh, Mexico, like, 5 or 6 nothing. What, really? Yeah. I know Nihal said in pretty much, for, like, some of the teams that a lot of people consider under, underdogs to not take them lightly. I guess Cuba and Trinidad are probably 
two of the only teams. Uh, but Trinidad is actually decent. Remember, they have Kenwin Jones, who's the former Stoke City striker. Um, you know, for a long time in CONCACAF, they're one of the better teams. Um, and they've made it to, I think they made, they made it to the World Cup in 2006. And at that time, they were the smallest team to ever make it. Um, Shaka Hislop and company. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I mean, Trinidad's a good team. I, I think they're actually going to finish second in the group above Guatemala. So, um, so you said, you said before that you want to see the Gold Cup expand, but isn't it kind of nice knowing that every one of these teams can kind of give every other team a run for their money? Yeah, but how are the other teams going to get there if they're not given this chance? You know, we saw it at the Women's World Cup. There's going to be a 10-0 result, Germany beating Ivory Coast. But Ivory Coast is a much is a much better team because of be, because they were in that tournament. So I think you know expanding it to sixteen teams is not is not going to do much because you still have these teams at top of the group. Like instead of having you still have a quarter finalist, you still have eight teams after the first round. Um, you just won't have three teams getting out of groups, and you'll have some extra yeah. teams have some experience. Um, so you know I think it would be good. Um, and, you know, you're right. Cuba, you know, maybe they can play well. I, I don't think so. I think the New York Cosmos beat them. Um, so I think they're by far the worst team in the competition. Um, so, you know what? I, I really don't know. <laughs> I, really, I, I think they should expand 100%. Um, but, yeah, I guess it does sound a little bit contradictory that I said Mexico is going to win 3 or 4 nothing. Um, but, you know, that happens in tournaments. Mexico is one of the best teams. That doesn't mean you shouldn't give other teams a chance. Because, you know, the gap is definitely closing between the top two and, or three in CONCACAF, but it's still there. Yeah. Um, so let's switch over to MLS. The transfer window opened today in MLS. MLS have impl- implemented a new rule that will impact teams financially. Uh, why don't you break this down, this rule? Um, okay, so yeah, you know, I, I'm not going to claim to be an um, expert on this rule. I still don't understand it fully, 100%, all the quirks of it. But essentially, every team has been given a hundred thousand for the next hundred thousand dollars for the next five years. But they they can spend all of that money right now if they wanted to. So basically, every team has the opportunity to spend five hundred thousand dollars in this transfer window. So that would be, I think, in salary five hundred thousand dollars in salary. And they said they want to have a, those in between players between the the regular MLS players and between between the regular MLS players and DPs. So that middle ground player. Um, which is something MLS is missing, let's face it. You know, they're not able to retain, like, Andy Nahar or DeAndre Edlin, which they could be able to sign with a contract like this. And they, if they had implemented this earlier, they might not have had to get rid of Graham Zussi or, uh, or sorry, not, they might not have had to give Graham Zussi or Omar Gonzalez DP contracts. So I think it's really going to help the league. Um, so they're given 100000 every year. Um... But you don't have to spend this year, but next year they have to spend at least $100,000 and they're just going to lose $100,000 from that budget. So it's, it's really confusing. Kerry Mullen of Between the Touchlines, the creator, he has a great article on BetweenTheTouchlines.com um, about, uh, about, about this rule, breaking it down. Um, so definitely go check that out. Liviu Bird of uh, Sports Illustrated also has a good article, but definitely recommend Kerry's article. He did a great job with that. Um, and, you know, he said in the article, you know, it's MLS is known to make up rules as it goes. And I know a lot of people object to that. But, I mean, for me personally, if it helps the league, it helps the league. Getting someone like Giovanni Dos Santos um, and or Chicharito um, to come to the league is huge. 
to get two Mexican players in their primes, it's going to bring a lot of attention to MLS um, from Mexican fans and from fans around the world. So um, it'll it'll be. I think it's good for the league. Yeah. So keeping that rule in mind, uh, why don't you tell us about some of the rumors that are going on in MLS? Well, um, the main rumor right now is that Dos Santos has signed a deal for LA Galaxy. A number came out at $9 million a year, um, but there have been other reports that have uh, um, gone against that report and have said, have refuted that report and have said it's really around $6 million a year, which is probably more suitable for uh, Dos Santos. Um, also, Chicharito, it looks increasingly unlikely that he's going to sign with Orlando City um, and maybe stay in Europe, which is unfortunate because he's younger. He's still in his prime, um, but, you know, it is, it is very unfortunate. And then um, Aristegueta, who is the um, who is the striker on loan from Nantes, uh, Alejandro Bedoya's team, um, to the Philadelphia Union, um, has extended his loan stay. So good for the Union. Um, they have Sapong, but they also need some other striker help. Um, and then um, one final thing is Toronto is shopping for defenders. Um, they have someone coming from FC Sion. It sounds like uh, a Swiss defender. Um, so he should be in Toronto. Some uh, he should be in Toronto soon. Um, so a decent signing for the league. Twenty-seven-year-old Swiss defender from the Swiss or from the Switzerland league. Um, so yeah. All right. Let's talk about some European transfers today. Toby Alderweireld was confirmed um, to be moving from Atletico Madrid to Tottenham. Yeah, good move for Tottenham. It shows up as a central defense. You know they have some good young players in Eric Dyer and American U twenty player CC or Cameron Carter Vickers. <laughs> Um, but, you know, Alderweireld can play outside back, and he can play center back, and he's a, he's a very, very good player. Um, so, you know, they have Vertonghen. Their right center back options are not that great, though. So, good signing for them. Iker Casillas moved from Real Madrid to FC Porto. Man, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's really weird. It's, really, it's, it's crazy to me. Um, you know, Casillas probably could have gone to another top team who needed a goalkeeper. Um, yeah, I know Romo was linked with him, but they couldn't. Yeah, I mean he's they couldn't still get his wages. Yeah, his wages are ridiculous. So you know, good for you know, good for him. I guess you know he'll get some playing time. David de Gea looks to be coming into Real Madrid. So uh, yeah, you know, be. I mean, I I won't be watching him much, unfortunately. But you know, it's it's good to see. It, it'll be good to see him playing again. Yeah, uh, Agbona, center back for Juventus, moved. From Serie A to West Ham. Yeah, you know, uh, they just beat out Everton. So, good signing for them. is a good center back. Um, but Juventus' back three is just fantastic. And, yeah. you know, they have Chiellini, Barzagli, um, Bonucci, Caceres, who can play there. Now Kadira is going to bring more defensive yeah, support. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think Kadira is going to be better for the team than Pirlo, actually. Yeah, definitely. Um, no question. Yeah. And, you know, they, they really missed Chiellini in, that, in the Champions League final. So... Yeah. Um, it could have been a better result for them. Kevin Trapp, Frankfurt goalkeeper, moved from Bundesliga to PSG. Yeah, he was at uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, um, which is Timmy Chandler's club. Uh, good goalkeeper. Uh, obviously the backup for Salvatore Sirigu. Um, I don't think Sirigu is moving. I haven't heard anything about that. But um, Sirigu, great goalkeeper. Um, so, you know, he should... He, he'll he be the backup for PSG and a very, very, very good backup. And we'll see if he can compete for a starting spot. Yeah. Um, Simone Zaza was confirmed to be bought by Juventus. Yeah, so um, he was on loan from Juventus to Sassuolo. 
Um, but they were there was a buyback option in the contract, so they bought him back for 18 euros. A very very promising young striker. I believe he's Italian, right? Yeah. Um, so he, yeah, he's he played, one of the better young strikers in the pool, actually. Yeah, you know, he and um, Icardi and DiBala are all young strikers in yeah. Serie A who are very very good. So, yeah. Yeah, great for them. Um, you know, this might interest you. I heard Destro might be going to West Ham. Yeah, yeah. He I, I, he was linked there um, even during January before he went on loan to Milan. I think that'd be a great signing for West Ham. Yeah. I like Destro a lot. I like Destro too, but Rudy Garcia never wants to play him, so I say just just make money off of him. Yeah. And don't... I mean, don't you think he's better than Dubia? Yeah, but do, okay. <laughs> I don't really okay, want okay, Dubia. Okay, okay. We'll, <laughs> we'll save this for our Serie A preview. Yeah. We'll probably have an episode. Those are going to be fun. Be yeah. Fun. Um... Also, Roma, they're, they're going to have Kovacic. Really? No, no, Jekko. Wait. No, Jekko, not Kovacic. Miritic. Miritic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Miritic. Not Kovacic. Yeah, was, sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Looks like he, uh, yeah, it looks like he, um, he rejected a move to Newcastle. Yeah, to join Roma, yeah. yeah. Um, Brian Ruiz went from Fulham to Sporting, which yeah. is... You know, a mainstay at the club at Fulham for a long time, but he's better than a championship player. So it's good to see him go to a, a big club like Sporting, and hopefully he can make his mark there. Um, yeah. Van Persie is rumored to be moving from Manchester United to Galatasaray. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy, right? Yeah. Uh, the Turkish League's making moves. Yeah, we um, talked about it last episode. Oh, you know what? It wasn't Galatasaray. It was Fenerbahce. I really apologize. I apologize for that. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but Fenerbahce, I mean, Fenerbahce's making moves, but everyone in the Turkish League is making moves. So, you know, if Van Persie could be united with Nani, so... Yeah. Um, united, like Manchester United. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I, that wasn't intentional. Uh, so, um, for the next part, uh, no better person to announce it than an Everton fan, so go ahead. Well, yeah, you know, it, it looks like a former U.S. national team, men's national team player, and um, Everton player, Preki, one of the leading goal scorers in MLS history, um, is going to coach in the U.K., as he said in his press conference. He stepped down from Sacramento Republic this week, um, or actually today, um, and he's on the move to the U.K. So the rumor is Leicester City, the, the odds for Preki to be the coach before today by the bookies in England of Leicester City was thirty three to one, and they slashed it to three to one. Wow! So it, it looks like that might be imminent, which is crazy to me. Preki was coaching; he coached Toronto FC for a year. Um, he and he's been coaching Sacramento Republic FC. But why? Why? Why is Bob Bradley not in the Premier League? He's doing so well at Stalbeck. Yeah. Um, you know, it'd be great to get someone to talk about him and his what he's doing there. So. We'll look into that, but yeah. he's you know he's doing abs- absolutely incredible things there. But obviously, we should never be unhappy about American uh, coaching in the Premier League. That that it's going to be fantastic, and maybe he'll he'll bring some players from MLS to yeah, Leicester City. So um, you know, apparently he is looking at one MLS player if he is the coach of Leicester. Well, I mean, City. Leicester actually got relegated. No, they didn't. They stayed up. They did. Yeah, it was Burnley QPR. And, uh, oh, I forgot what the other, who the other team was. Burnley, QPR. No, this is bad. How do we not remember it? No. Leicester City stayed up. 
Are you sure? Yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure. I mean, I, I'm sure that would have been in the... Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Okay, even if he's in the championship, we haven't we haven't had that before. So, um, you know... It's 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 good for it's good really good for Americans because it'll open up a lot a lot of doors um, for for Americans abroad and in bigger leagues because Michael Bradley who did wonders with um, it was Hull City yeah Hull City um, he did wonders with Egypt you know wasn't able to get a, a good offer so you know Preki Bob Bradley Steve Trendolo maybe even Brad Friedel hopefully they can break into the coaching scene in Europe. Yeah, so uh, before we end the episode, we always play a little game. Um, I'll explain the game. Okay. So... You need to come up with a, with a name. Yeah, I know. Oh, well, if anyone wants to, you can leave us a, a comment in SoundCloud or email us or whatever. Cause yeah. I, I mean, I, we haven't really talked about that yet. Um, so basically, uh, my brother doesn't... Or in this case, I don't know what player my brother is going to be naming before the show starts. And then he asks me three questions about that player that I have to answer on the spot. One, what do you think of his game? Two, where do you rate him in the pool right now? And three, do you see him on the World Cup roster in 2018? Right. And they don't have to be American players, and they don't have to be young players either. Yeah. Last time we did Bedoya, who's not really young. Yeah. Not, not that young. Yeah. All right. So, my player is Gideon Zalalem. Gideon Zalalem. So, what do I think of his game? Um, well, I thought when I watched him in the U20 World Cup... He looked, like, really comfortable in the midfield. Yeah. Like, the way he moved, um, I, I've mentioned Roma too many times in this episode, but he reminds me a lot of Miralem Pjanic, who plays on Roma, and that's a good thing. He, he's a fantastic midfielder. Um, he looked really comfortable. He, he added a nice look to the midfield that otherwise I don't think the U20 team would have had. Yeah, or the U.S. at any level. Yeah. I think the one thing is he needs to bulk up a little bit. He's yeah. very small. He's only 17, though. But or 18. Two. Remember, he's eligible for the next U20 World Cup. Wow. That's crazy to think about. Um, And and then the second thing is, where do I rate him in the pool right now? Um, Top top 100, right? He's got to be. Top 100. Well, well, let's think about this in terms of, like, midfielders. I would say that there are a lot of MLS midfielders that I would put ahead of him in a starting midfield. I, I don't see him playing for the senior men's national team until perhaps late 2016. Okay. Well, he... Arsene Wenger said he's going to be playing first-team soccer this year, whether it be for Arsenal or on loan. Not for Arsenal. Well, I don't know. No, they That's signed, they signed someone recently, didn't they? Yeah. Wait, why, why am I forgetting this? God, we're forgetting so much today. Yeah. Oh. Well, well, it's not important. Yeah. Um, and then the third question is... Will he be in the 2018 World Cup? Will he be in the... Yes, he will be. You really? Yeah. So we'll we'll trap and Zalalem. We'll trap and Zalalem. He'll be starting. What? You you think he'll be starting? Yeah. Really? Over like Discrude or... Well, Bradley will probably be starting, right? Yeah, Bradley will be starting. So so what I'm I'm thinking is maybe Bradley at the top of the diamond. And then we have like a a more packed together time with center midfielders on the sides. And then you have... um, Who are we talking about? Discrude on one side and... Zalalem on the other one, and then hopefully Will Trap a defensive mid, and then Tommy Thompson can come off the bench for, <laughs> for Michael Bradley. <laughs> oh, man. Crazy, but, you know, there's probably some, like... So, Bedoya like, is... Bedoya's it's going to be, like, Perry Kitchen or something, <laughs> like, right before the World Cup, yeah. you're going to call him up. Yeah, Beckerman's going to still be there. Yeah. Wando. <laughs> no, please. Don't. Wando no. at defensive mid. 
He's actually a good player. I don't know why. No, no, he's a good, so he's a good player. Okay. <laughs> he's a good player. Um, yeah, so uh, we have nothing more planned for this episode. Do you want to say anything? Yeah, next time we have Ian Joy. So. <laughs> yeah, on Friday <laughs> evening, um, we're going to be recording. Um, on Saturday morning, you guys should be able to view that. Yeah, Ian Joy of BN Sports. And we're going to get a half an hour to talk to a national soccer commentator. That's this is our sixth episode. I know, I know. <laughs> so that'll probably be its own standalone episode. We might have some other stuff in there. Um, we might record a whole separate show. Um, I mean, we probably will record a separate show. We, will, we actually will record a separate show on Saturday, um, reviewing the U.S.-Haiti match. So, um, yeah, because, I mean, we'll be, we'll be interviewing right bef- we'll be talking to him right before the U.S.-Haiti match, so. Yeah. Um, or actually, we could, I don't know, we could, re- we could wait to upload it until after. Yeah, we should upload it after. Okay. So yeah, you know, thanks for listening. Subscribe, rate, um, tell your friends about it. Email us, soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. See you next time, guys.